0: Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and I reckon this is episode 235. Um, This is a conversation I had with Peter Rowley. I was very excited to have this happen. Um, Peter Rowley, uh, where do you start? Comedian, actor, um, he, well, he started really uh, on A Week of It back in the late 1970s, and then it was to Macphail and Gadsby. Perhaps he's best known by a lot of people, and I grew up with this, uh, as uh, a cast member and co-writer of the Billy T. James show, really it was a creative partnership. Um, I remember him from Macphail and Gadsby, I was young but I remember his characters from that. And then of course the other big thing, he was the voice of Dog in the Footrot Flats movie, Dog's Tale, and uh, you know Footrot Flats was my favourite comic book growing up and that was one of my favourite movies, Dave Dobbin was one of my favourite musicians, it was everything aligned for that, going and seeing that in the cinema as a kid. Um, Peter Rowley ended up doing a bunch of other acting of course, he was in uh, various TV shows and movies across the years. I first asked him to be on the podcast a few years ago when he was living in central Otago and I was visiting there and it didn't, I think by the time I was got there, he'd moved or something anyway, like we'd stayed in touch over really probably about two or three years and he's in Christchurch and he said, look, if you ever get here, you know, hit me up. So I was in Christchurch the other week and that's exactly what I did. I hit him up and he said, yep, come round. That works for me. Um, he's about to release his own branded gin. Um... And so we talk a little bit about that as well, uh, but it's not an advert for that. It is a, a reflection on a life spent in front of the screen making people laugh. Um, there's some obviously some sadness. We do talk about Billy T. James a lot, of course. He's such an important and huge part of the story. Uh, this is about Peter and the characters that he came up with, the writing that he did, uh, some of the resentment that's there and some of the uh, the the fond memories um, of of a life doing some pretty impressive things with, with acting and comedy. I love the chance to meet him, I love this conversation and I hope you like it too. My thanks as always to Tea Leaf Tea and Yesti Boys. This is me talking with Peter Rowley. So um, it's nice to meet you. I, I don't know how we got him. In touch, but just through the weird old world of Facebook, I suppose. Yeah. And I know that I, a couple of years ago, I, I inquired about maybe catching up with you, and it didn't work out. I think you'd moved on from where you were, and I was heading down there, and thought you were there, and you are actually here. Yeah. Anyway, here we are now. But of course, like a lot of people, um, you would have heard from over the years. I kind of grew up watching you and hearing you, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you know the particular. Well, McFarlane Gadsby and the Billy T. James show were just appointment viewing in, in my house as a child. And they were the things that um, that made me understand, I think, that New Zealand was funny or New Zealanders could be funny. We didn't know that <laughs> until we saw that well, for me I didn't I know there were Fred Dagg was a bit before that and so on, but that was before me. So I got to that later. So for me it was McFarlane Gadsby on a Saturday night. And I think Billy T. James show is a Tuesday night from memory, but that's what I remember. But but before we get into that stuff, I want to know you know how you came into the world and, and how you got into those worlds.
1: Well, I suppose uh, the best way to answer that is, why on earth did I end up in the business that I got into when my father yes. was uh, <laughs> in agricultural aviation in North Canterbury and wanted me to become uh, a little gnome that drove around in a beaten up. Dusty Holden talking to farmers about their fertiliser requirements, and how come I ended up doing what I did? Well, I think possibly uh, the truth would lie further in the past. As a little boy uh, with bro- a broken uh, family, um, my father and mother divorced when I was one, in more often the case, the offspring blame themselves for the bust up. Mm. And uh, some some react in different ways. My reaction was to make people laugh, so that they liked me because I didn't think my parents did. And wow, uh, yeah. and then that was exacerbated by nine years of boarding school incarceration. Mm. And it was at boarding school, you know, and I developed a sort of a bizarre sense of humour. I was always the funny boy, um, and uh, therein lies that you know the edge of tragedy and the clown scenario. Um, but uh, I, I just it, it, I was at it all the time and uh, uh, in fact they used to, at boarding school uh, they used to call me Schultz after no, yeah. after Sar- Sergeant Schultz yeah. from Hogan's Heroes, yeah, yeah. because one day I was skylarking in the back of the class and the, the uh, head the um, master yelled, "Rally stand up!" And uh, sir I've just described the whole machinations of the amoeba now you told me, and I said, "I know nothing <laughs> And from then on, I was known as Schultz, and also had a, a, a fantastic uh, English drama teacher there uh, who said to me one day, "Rally, I've been watching you. We're going to do a Shakespearean play, and I've been watching you as I said, and I deem it necessary for you to come and play the fool." So it started there mm. at, at Christ College and um, uh And then, when I left school, I bummed around for a while and you know bounced off the walls and lots of, because this was nineteen seventy so mm. lots of drugs and you know, because the world went mad yeah yeah and um uh and then one day I, I dad said, "Well, what are you going to do?" and I said, "I would be an actor, and he said to me because he wanted me to join his company I said, "I want to be an actor dad i don't don't want to deal with top dressing." He, said, uh, he asked me, quite seriously, are you a homosexual?
0: Wow, yeah. Because
1: I want to be an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, um, I popped around the desk and caressed his shoulder and said, of course not, Dad, don't be bad. <laughs> Get away, you bastard. He didn't talk to me much until one day I appeared on his television set. I never told him I was going to be on a week of it. Um, mm. And I appeared on his TV. And things changed. He started inviting me back to the house.
0: Yeah. Wow. Tell, let's go back a step. When did you? Um, when did you become conscious of the fact that it was a broken home? That your parents have oh, separated. Because if that happened when you were one, yeah, you know, and we grow up in whatever normal happens to us. So when did that become? What well, about
1: five? I yeah. suppose. Could backwards and forwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why am I going over there? Why I got two houses? To, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he's got, father's got another uh, woman, and who she? And then and then mother remarries. Uh, what is she? I think boarding school was probably the best place for me at the
0: time. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you didn't have to be any sort of go between. No. Yeah, and and they never reconciled on any real level beyond no. beyond sharing custody.
1: No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, I I joined the Corp Theatre mm. in 1974 as a stage manager. And because, you know, I walked and knocked on door, I want to be an actor. <laughs> they that, said, well, you can't just go over and do that. But there is a position for a stage manager. And um, I got it, and I worked there for a while. And then one day I got a phone call from one David McPhail, mm. who said, uh, he had a stutter back then. Peter, the David McPhail Uh starting a new programme called A Week of It. And I was told by somebody that you were good at telling jokes. So could you come and audition for me, please? And so I did. Um, And then I was in the court theatre a few days later and the phone rang, David McPhail, speak to Peter Rowley please, speaking. Oh, Peter, David McPhail, look, we've decided to offer you Part you know a a core cast membership in this new uh, sketch satirical show called mm. a, a Week of It. Would um, would you be interested in that? And I remember putting my hand over the phone and going, Ah! <laughs> and then, Ah oh, yeah, I reckon. It'd be yeah, like, it could mate. be interested. I will check my diary. Yes, I'll get <laughs> back to <laughs> you. Um, and so it started in 1977. Now, what was that gang? It was him and John. him it's Chris McVeigh. Chris McVeigh. Um, A.H. Grant. Uh, A.K. was right A.K. Grant, yeah. Um, he was a delightful man. Mm. Um, myself, Annie Whittle. Yeah. Um, who else? And and a few people yeah, that yeah, were, yeah. came in on the peripheral. A few
0: drifters. Mm. Yeah, because I've, 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 that, there's that record of a week of it. The, the, I've still got that, the vinyl Long player of that. It
1: doesn't. It not It doesn't last very well. in no. any of that stuff because it was topical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, well, what are they Comedy about? dates, no matter what. Well, and, well, and, no, no, well, no. well,
0: well, a lot of it. But the Satirical
1: comedy yeah, dates. I was going to
0: say comedy any, does anything political or yeah. reacting to satire. the current situation. Satire that yeah. dates, That's and right. that and that can be really interesting if you approach it as, I guess, some sort of scholar. If you're actually yeah. going to listen, you know, yeah. I, I read, um, I read the Essential Lenny Bruce just a couple of weeks ago. And that's not something that a lot of people would take much from now. But if you know who he is or want to know who he is, then that, then it becomes really interesting. But of course it's dated and borderline irrelevant, (laughs) you know, but, but it's a, but it's foundational. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So a week of it was what live shows to begin with or was it a tv show to begin with because i just I, I, I was know t- the, no it was, TV.
1: it was tv mm. but we used to record live yes. at the civic theater yeah 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 uh and and uh it was it was bloody hard work because often uh and, and the other yeah. thing you got to remember too is that half an hour after we finished recording it went to air yeah that's how topical it was mm. You know, and you know, sometimes you'd be walking towards the set to do your thing, to do the sketch, and someone will run in front of you with a, a rewrite. Yeah, yeah. And you got to learn it as you're heading towards the the set. So that happened a bit, as, a bit as well. So in
0: that sense, it was our Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah.
1: Really, I mean, yeah.
0: you know, d- different and doesn't have the no. longevity, but essentially, and Saturday Night Live. In that time, was in its infancy, so it was pretty. And of advanced. course,
1: Muldoon was in power, and mm. David kept, David. The extraordinary thing was David, um, as you know, did a, a good Muldoon. Yes. And uh, and hated Muldoon. Yeah. But Muldoon liked David. He liked being lampooned. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that, that that seems to be the way with a lot of politicians. That mm. really, they embrace the the lampooning side of it because it's because it is ego stroking right yeah. it is the classic you're either being talked about or you're not being talked about so yeah. it's better to so how so that ran for for its time and basically morphed into McFarlane Gadsby correct how did that happen and how did you get the nod you're obviously not part, for... to be part of McFarlane Gadsby you're obviously oh, sure. part of the gang it and doing good work
1: carry on yeah it just got re, re- rebranded different letterhead yeah um But then, then in nineteen eighty one, I I decided I didn't want to do that anymore, and I went to Auckland and worked on the Ray Wolf show for a bit, as the resident clown, Mm. which was a learning curve. But not I wasn't that good. Um, I was restricted. um, You know, other people were told to write for me, and the stuff wasn't that good. But you know, Ray's a nice guy, and had a bit of fun. Um, It was a paycheck. Yeah, and. then I did a movie with Tommy Lee Jones called Savage Islands, uh, shot up in the Bay of Islands. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and I only had two scenes in the film, but both scenes were just Tommy and me. Mm. And I was, I was playing the part of a, an 1860s uh, journalist called Louis Beck. And so I interviewed Tommy at the beginning of the film and at the end of the film, just before he escaped execution. And um, yeah, that was that was an eye opener. Um, Tommy was a, a bit of a prick, until yeah, yeah. You, until you told him he was a prick. Yeah. And then he was your best mate. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was quite rude, and then one day I said to him, Tommy, you're actually a bit of a prick. And he went, Hey, come here, Peter. <laughs> so now, I sure, I, I've got a cigar. Here. My my wife's just had a, a kid in Auckland, you know here. <laughs> you know, and we got on well after yeah, yeah.
0: It's crazy. You know? Wow. And I mean, that was that time where there were a few of those, um, well, small budget for Hollywood, but bigger budget films being made in New yeah. Zealand, those kind of crossover. Yeah. Because they did the James Bond film here. Part of it. Part of it. Yeah. Which you're in as well. Uh, no. You, you, I thought you were in, in Never Say... Was it Never Say Never
1: get... Yeah, Never Say Die. Never Say Die. Uh, but sorry. it wasn't really James Bond. Yeah, Pop. yeah, it was a fake. Um, <laughs> and it was Jeff Murphy. Yeah. I nearly got killed in that uh, picture. Um, uh, dear old Jeff Murphy came up to me, and, and uh, that guy Monk, the helicopter um, whiz up in Auckland, who does a lot of filming still. Yeah. Um, Squirrels sitting on the ground. <laughs> And old Jeff Murphy comes up to me and says, oh, "Peter, what do I want you to do," and I'm dressed as a SWAT team leader, you know, with all the gear and a bullhorn. I want you to run over to the helicopter, stand on the skid, and uh, yell, "Move, move! Get across the bridge! Get across the bridge!" And uh, then uh, uh, Mr. Monk's going to lift the helicopter out. The camera's lying on the ground. The, lift out out of shot, and then settle down again. So you probably go up in the air about 15 feet. That's about it. But nobody told the pilot, and he fucked off, and I'm standing on the, sk- on the skid. Mm. Move across the bridge, get across the bridge now! Move, move, move! And it goes, Woo-rah! and I'm just holding onto a seatbelt, you know, the door off, mm. really. and oh, it's, and it's like, you know, there's the skid. It was like, I fucking started enjoying <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, you know, when he, he went around like this, you know, over some buildings, you know and I remember the pilot you know Whoa, and he went fuck yeah and he, he said when, after we landed he said I've never seen such a big grin on someone's face in my life because <laughs> I was getting fucking yeah. grouse. <laughs> yeah yeah.
0: it was a strange era because there was a, what was that other one Battle Truck was at yeah. that time too yeah. which was another I mean yeah, that was,
1: Zephyr yeah
0: Be, Battle Truck was really formative for me because I think yeah. I was far too young to actually see it Mm. But I had an older brother, and my grandfather took us
1: both to it, and it would really. Yes, Those were movies, but they did, were cool. You know, yeah, came Hot Friday there. Yeah, I was in that, yeah and, of course. Um, I did another one called Trespassers with Patrick McGoon, who was quite mm. strange. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, you yeah. you developed quite a
0: bit of a jumping from film to film. Mm. I was going to ask you, like, what's the 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 tension for you in your life been around? Being the clown and being best remembered for comedy stuff, but having this idea, I want to be an actor. Like, did you want to be an actor to because you were funny and be a comedian, or did you want to be an actor because you wanted to want entertain? To do both. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, but I was typecast in that this, this yes. such a small industry, small country. Um, in fact, when I lived in Australia um, uh, up until about five years ago, I, I, I did very little comedy. Mm. They didn't know who I was. I auditioned for drama and got. You know, I got mm. quite a lot of drama work in mm. television um, whilst over there, uh, and I really enjoyed that. Comedy's harder.
0: Mm.
1: Um, um, who's that famous actor who was asked uh, on his deathbed, um, what, "What, what, what, what? How do you feel about dying?" And he said, "Well, dying's easy. Comedy's harder," <laughs> and um, it, it is true because the 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 parameters of whether you are funny or not are very tight you Mm. know what i mean you're you're not a bit funny Mm. you're either funny or you're not that's it Mm. um whereas in drama there's a bit of slack you know it's you know what i mean yeah yeah i found drama much easier yeah yeah
0: i've always thought like you know it's interesting yeah like i mean i've reviewed a bit of stand-up comedy but i primarily have reviewed music and you know, it's interesting when you review music or film, or or books. You know, people will obviously get upset with with what you say sometimes, but they'll leave you to be the reviewer because there is a magic trick to those arts, as far as people are concerned. Even you know, if, if a person doesn't know how to play guitar at all, yeah. then it's an absolute magic trick. Yeah. But with comedy, you might never be able to get up on the stage and tell a joke and make it hit. But because you because you know what makes you laugh, people feel much more inclined to have an opinion on comedy. Mm. So I found reviewing comedy really hard. Like, you get a lot of blowback from people mm. um, because they have their idea of what's funny. Yeah. And they feel compelled to share that. It's, so
1: I, well, it's really I, I, interesting. I, fortunately, when you actually do it as mm. opposed to review <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't become so analytical. Yeah, it's You know, what, you know I pretty much know what's going to work. In fact... Um, I just want you just reminded me of something. When I was doing the Ray Wolf show, I was in the corridors of TVNZ, and I saw this Maori fellow coming towards me, um, and I recognised it was Billy T. James from Radio Times, and um, uh, he's walking towards me, and, and all of a sudden he said, "Oh, there's that honky fellow from down south," and I went, "Oh, there's that horry fellow from up north." And we just click and we went and had coffees and things in the cafeteria. And uh, he he also had that uh, Billy T. James show, which was more vaudevillian yes, yeah. than anything, you know, with YMC, uh, yeah. you know, with songs and cardboard cut out things. And he hated it, he yeah, didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. And we used to talk about doing authentic comedy, um, which we'll get into mm. uh, uh, later. Mm. but I was doing stand-up comedy in nineteen eighty-four around Australia. Um, I was with the the, uh, um, the comedy agency, and um, they—I was their troubleshooter comedian. You know, the, the, for instance, they had a—you uh, don't mind swearing, in this no, There's uh, a bit coming up. Yeah. Um,
0: You've already dropped one.
1: Oh right. I said to this guy. Uh, he—he—I he, was summoned to the office of the comedy agency. He said, "Look, we, we've." Got a really good venue in Tamworth. We may lose it because unfortunately, we, we sent a new wave comedian up there from Sydney and he, he just fucked it. I said, Oh, uh, what did he do? He said, Oh, apparently, he walked on stage and he said, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Really cracker to be here today. Uh, look, uh, I'm a new wave comedian. Yeah, fuck can't, fuck can't, fuck can Yeah. Boo! They booed him off. Yeah, yeah. So I went up there to try and resurrect the venue so we wouldn't lose it. And I got on the stage and I had a whole bunch of paper I grabbed out of the motel. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, I'd like to apologize for the comedian last weekend. Absolutely disgusting. And I just want to assure you that I've cut every cunt and every <laughs> fuck, and I went through all the bits of paper uh, out of my, oh, so as a consequence, thank you and good night. And <laughs> And walked off and they come back,
0: come yeah, back, yeah, come yeah. back. But you, what you're illustrating there is it is really 100% of the time all about the delivery. Yeah, oh, absolutely, you know, Del- you won them over in the I mean, that's a good bit, yeah, but and and it's a great reaction, mm. but it's your delivery yeah. that absolutely sold you and yeah. the bit to them, right?
1: Delivery is number one. There should be an award for delivery, yeah, like you know, you know how you. you um, for instance, a Shakespearean a- a actor gets an award. You know, yes, well, yeah. he didn't write it; he yes. delivered it. Yes, and that's why he got the award. Mm. And there should be um, delivery awards in yes, comedy, in my yeah, view. Yeah. Um, I, when I do uh, gags, I like to do, you know, sound effects to yeah. to create a picture. You know, mm. whether it be, you know, a horse going over, you know, a bridge. <coughs> You know what sort of thing? Mm, mm. And you know, the audience is like that, wow, mm, you know. Mm. Um, so I do all that sort of thing, and it's the delivery once again. But anyway, I was in in, uh, in um, Melbourne in, in 1984, and hello, cure, and it was Billy. He ran me from Auckland and said, hey, uh, I've fired everybody uh, from the show. And I want you to come and work with me. Would you be interested? He was still on the phone. It was a knock. his door and It was me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to... I mean, you've, you've, you've nicely explained a little bit about how you guys met and interacted. I, yeah. I, I not only wanted to talk to you about that, but I was going to ask you, you've also um, nicely put it that, you know, I, I knew of Billy T. James as this... as, as New Zealand did, as this not only a towering comedic force but as an all-round entertainer like he was a total package guy who could do it and i know he had background with mary volcanic show bands, that sort of thing and is it true that i think that he basically just was so good at banter in the show band era that he became more and more of a comedian through kind of crowd warming and good banter
1: fantastic uh, you know attracting personality mm. especially standing up in front of an audience great singer, mm. musician. Yeah, he played a bunch of instruments, um, right? Um, but that, that reminds me, when I was working, I worked with him from 85 till 88, but yeah. we'd go out to parties and places and together and that. And, and whenever, wherever we went, there was an instrument of some sort. And my little sort of game with him was, oh, all right, Billy, go on.
0: Listen. Yeah.
1: A harp. Yeah. <laughs> and if he could play, at least one thing beautifully on anything, <laughs> on anything. yeah yeah I mean, I, one night i thought i had him as a trombone yeah and he did he <laughs> played this beautiful piece yeah almost bring tears to your eyes it was so yeah you know so gentle and i mean he was amazing
0: but i guess my question i wanted to get to and you because you, you sort of hinted at this with him wanting to ditch the variety show thing yeah. and go more for the comedy show was You know, was he conflicted? Was that his true heart? Like, is that what he wanted to do? Was the other stuff just things he could do? And do you believe that he...
1: Well, what we decided to do, for instance, I got into trouble with TVNZ because we'd write a sketch. Say, for instance, a Captain Cook Mm -mm. sketch. We'd write a sketch and then we'd put a list for the art department and the wardrobe as to what we wanted. That's the first time that's ever happened in TVNZ because up until then a script was written and then it was interpreted by the art department mm. and by wardrobe. Mm. And they would deliver what they thought as opposed to the writers telling them. So you were, do. doing,
0: you were doing total concept. Yeah, yeah.
1: and you know, I'd, and Billy was a very non-confrontational guy, cunning as a Maori um, he would I'd arrive there, you know, on set and he'd be putting his makeup on or whatever and he'd go, Pete, have you had a look at the set? I'm, no, no, I just You'd Go and have a look, knowing full well that I would go. No,
0: <laughs> so you go and do that work for him.
1: <laughs> then I, I was the Billy yeah, yeah. T. Rottweiler. Yeah. And in That's fact, it. at one stage, uh, TVNZ said to Billy, get rid of Rally.
0: He's, he's much a troublemaker. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, Billy said, if he goes, I go. So now, when you look at the Captain Cook sketches, you'll see yeah. that Captain Cook was authentically yes. dressed not spinning bow ties and mm. pantaloons mm. and the Māori all looked, you know, yeah, appropriate yeah. and everything was... It, it, yeah, it was high production, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially for the time. Well, yeah, well, well... Well, high production look. <laughs> just, yeah, just being authentic yeah. in whatever you do. Yeah. You know, it's a Second World War sketch. That's, you know... Um, I Because I, I used to be into guns quite a bit, so did Billy. Mm. Um, and uh, I remember once we did the Second World War sketch of... Uh, a line of men digging foxholes, uh, and uh, a British officer in his 80 comes up and says, "You know, uh, 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 Captain, look at these colonials. They're the backbone of the British Army, absolutely fantastic." And uh, here's a fellow, and it's me there, um, naked from the waist up, the dog tags, proper helmet, you know, and up, so getting ready for the big push, Dadchap. Two right, sir, Jerry won't know what happened sir. Very good, see what I mean, Bunny marvellous. And he goes along with all these men, finally gets to Billy, he's sitting beside uh, a hole with another bloke's digging, and he taps Billy on the helmet he goes, hey, oh, oh, that's that. Um, so you're going to give Jerry what for are you? Uh, is that why you're digging the hole? Oh no, no, it's only for a key. <clears throat> um, you know, words to that effect. But when I got down to the set, It was wrong rifles, uh, wrong helmets, a few holes in the ground, and that was it. So I made a phone call to a friend of mine who arrived with 303s, a Vickers machine gun, um, fucking camouflage nets uh, and and ammunition boxes and just blew TVNZ Mm. away. Mm. And they got very snotty, but looked great. It looked spot on, you know. And that's the way we insisted. And that's why a lot of the sketches look so good. Some of the jokes are a bit lame, but it doesn't matter. Billy sold everything.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it, you know, there was some great writing, there's some great jokes, loads that stand up. Mm. But um, the ones that, as you say, like, I mean, they can't all be bangers for a start on any show. They can't, You can't hit it out of the park every time. But mm. what you can do is you can... You can people into thinking it's better because it looks so good or yeah. it's delivered so well yeah. and and I that's my memory of, of that show in particular was that everything pretty much on it worked one way yeah. or another yeah some absolutely well, because we would go to we school and, out yeah yeah but we would go to school as as you know pretty young kids and repeat the stuff the next day yeah and and it was hilarious to us you know and I was thinking like you know obviously there's been a bit of talk about this already and I know you've 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 talked about this Already, but in the whole idea of you know, the show a show like that wouldn't get off the ground today, people would be unhappy with some of the content. Um, those jokes were <clears throat> cut to me, and I think I knew this as, a, as an eight year old or whatever I was. I really think I knew this. That was self reflexive stuff where he and you and whoever else was writing were, were mocking racists just and racism as well as,
1: may I just say it was just and I. Yeah, right. I lived actually lived at his house mm. when we were doing the series. Okay. He insisted on it. Yeah. You know, I, it d wasn't So
0: you two wrote everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean I knew I knew you did uh, the majority joking. of it. contributions towards the end from sure. one two other people.
0: Sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean it played out like a two hander to yeah. to me, like in the in the in the delivery and what i later found out was the writing of it yeah. you guys are coming up with the idea
1: and i, I, I had a, a lovely phone call the other day with ruby his daughter mm. um and uh, she said you know peter i had such an amazing time in those years you with, with dad i get up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet and i hear this raucous laughter coming from the living room mm. with you and dad up to all bloody hours <laughs> writing the series and she said it happened night after night after night. Laughter, laughter. And for that, she said, Thank you.
0: Mm. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I've got, I, I was thinking about like, you know, you, you mentioned the Captain Cook stuff. Yeah. And there's that one where you're kind of offering, and, and this was a recurring thing, but there's that one where you're kind of offering the the various gifts to the Maori. Mm. And he's, Billy is turning everything away. And then you hold out the can of Steinlager, and he just lunges at it mm. and goes to skull it straight away. And yeah. that that is a classic example of the sort of joke that today people would go. Well, I'm really offended by that. That's a racist stereotype. Yeah. But it's mocking the racist stereotype. It, it's it's sending it up. Yeah. You know, and it's ma- it's challenging people to laugh at that stuff,
1: right? Because to, to, to me, political correctness is the cancer of of uh, uh, intellectualism. Uh, and and it means nothing to me, especially with with regard to comedy. Mm. And as Ricky Gervais says, you know, r- remember if you're offended, you're the probably probably the only one in mm. the room, if mm. not a very small percentage of people who are offended. So why don't you fuck off? Mm, mm. You know, and that's how I feel about comedy. Mm. Comedy in, in Henry VIII's day, the only person that didn't get his head chopped off for telling the truth was the court jester. It was his job yeah, yeah, to tell the truth, yeah. and he wouldn't get his get his head chopped off. Yeah. And I think that is a wonderful safety valve and a sense and sensibility scenario in our society that we don't get too precious, and that we do have one form that that stirs it up. Mm. Other, you know, otherwise it's everybody's in this bubble wrap. <laughs> Fuck off. Well I think also, the, the, at, at its very best that
0: stuff you guys were doing, there were clever puns and again, you know, great great acting, great delivery, but there were clever puns and jokes on jokes that stood out away from just the comment on, on race and, and society in New Zealand, which was powerful anyway. Like to me, the one that is in my mind the whole time is when he's painting the bonnet of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it runs cool. around the corner I said the porch, not the Porsche. Yeah. You know, which is just a brilliant mm. sight gag Yeah. and referencing the Kiwi accent and, yeah. you know, all of that. Like, that's fine. And, and now, viewed now, I know there'd be a bunch of people that the first thing they would jump on was, that's
1: a racist well, that stereotype.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's missing the point yeah. of the comedy, isn't yeah. it? It's missing the, or it's angling at one point only.
1: I mean, I argued with Billy. I wrote, you know, um, I want to buy this land. And for this land, I'm going to give you six barrels of gunpowder, some axe heads, some uh, blankets, some tobacco for your men, some beads for your women and some glue for your children. How say you savage? Now, glue for your children. Mm. Why? Mm. Solvent abuse was huge. Yeah, It was yeah. Henry Park it was a kid with a brown paper bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and I told Billy about Henry VIII and the court jester thing and he said, oh, fair enough. So mm. we left it in. And also we had a wee bit of a chat about how say you savage? Um, you know, which is something you couldn't do now. Mm. But that's the way they were. That's mm. that's what you know. What the uh, language was. So mm. that's the way it's
0: going to be done. Mm. Now, Billy, of course, got his. I was going to say fair share, but it probably wasn't fair at all. But Billy got his share of people calling him an Uncle Tom. And, oh, very few. Yeah. Very fair. What What was What was it like for you as I guess the white person in that cast and in that creative duo that was contributing oh, to it, were you given much of a... Care. Yeah, but were you given much of a... Uh, were you given much angry feedback no. about your helping promulgate no. this stuff?
1: No. 1% of the population protected. Right. Yeah, yeah. Blind out of proportion. Yeah. Media likes to do that, of course, yeah. we know that. Yeah. Um, I was at the house when a bullet came through the window um, and hit the uh, wrought iron chandelier. Fortunately, we went in the room, but you know that got a bit serious. Cops came around, had a chat. Mm. Um, But you know, we actually quite liked it because it meant that you know we were stirring the pot. We wanted to stir the pot. Mm. You know, it's great. Bring it on. (laughs) You you know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So so uh, very uh, much blown out of proportion that scenario.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And in the middle of this, um, the Footrot Flats movie. Yes. Which uh, I watched just the other day for the first time in many years. Oh, right. And I thought, and, and I, I shared, shared it online and people were saying, geez, what's that like now? And I said, well, I, my feeling is, <clears throat> which is understandable, the animation is dated considerably, of oh. course. So it actually played like something from the mid 70s. Yeah. But the voice talent, the writing, the, the, the overall feel, the characters, the overall feel of it, I thought, it still works, you know, because it's an enduring New Zealand classic, but, and the great cast of people.
1: Who you know, here's another thing that blew me away. When I went to live in Australia, mm. uh, you know, seven, seven years ago, seven eight years ago, um, I, you know, I used to go down to this local bar down the road from where I lived, mm. it was a great little bar, lots of poets and writers and a few actors and people congregated there. And I slowly got to know people. And some, this Australian bloke said to me one day, he said, Peter, uh, you, you're an actor, aren't you? And I said, yes. Yeah. He said, what are you doing?" And uh, I said, oh, oh, a few bits and bobs, a bit of television back over in New Zealand. Um, you, any films? Uh, well, yeah, I did Foot Rock Flats. Well, yeah, I did foot-rot, right, but you may not have heard. Excuse me, foot-rot right flats is like fucking huge here. Mm. Did you not know that? I said, no. What did you do in the film? <laughs> I said, I played dog. <laughs> Fuck off. Hanky <laughs> hey, you Buddy Peter played dog in foot-rot right flats. Well, I didn't have to buy a beer <laughs> for a fucking month. Move that one back up to the top of the CV. <laughs> <laughs> And then I find that the bloody Murray Ball's books are in every deli, wow. like, fucking yeah, every yeah. Dunny in Australia. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I,
0: you know, I watched it a bunch when it came out, but I, I remember when I watched it the other day for the first time, and yeah, it's got to be at least twenty years. Um, I was just taken back to going to the cinema for the first time to see it. In fact, seeing the the trailer for it with with Dobbin's song. Which was released, I think, in Crocodile Dundee. I think they played it during that, which was a big deal. Like the whole song was played like a music video, because mm. the two things in my life at that time that were the biggest things going for me as as a young Kiwi, understanding New Zealand, was probably the music of Dave Dobbin and the cartoon strip Footrot Flats. And then yeah, when it was, I, and then when it was announced, the fact that it was like, you know, you and John and Billy were voices and and. Names that we knew. I went
1: through a a new screening, it was redigitised. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was interviewed afterwards, and they said, What do you think? And I said, I wish I could do it again. Yeah. You know? Because um, the producer, uh, uh, Chris Hampton, I think it was, uh, and I had argued with Murray Ball over the dog's voice. And he wanted, for some reason, almost a Shakespearean dog. Right. Full of, Oh, well, Why do you want to go out with cheeky hogs? Let's go down to the footy field, (laughs) mate. You know, and I want to go, ah, (laughs) wow, come on, mate. (laughs) I want to do all that shit, and Mm. he didn't want that. He wants a dog to be more human. Mm. So, you know, but anyway, it was a great gig.
0: It was, it's, I mean, it's a, yeah, I was amazed with how well overall it held up. Like yeah. to me, as I say, the animation of course that's going to be surpassed. That's yeah. just a given that but but again, like it's still it's so authentic to the book.
1: Yeah.
0: The look and feel of it that um why wouldn't you know, why wouldn't you want it to look like that? Why that's would you redo right. the whole thing now? Yeah. And it would be lost if you did it with modern animation now. It wouldn't wouldn't ring true to those of us that grew up with the strip. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, what else? Well, where do we go from here? So we've been talking about the the Billy T show. How does that end? Three years?
1: Uh, 85, of 86, 87, 88. Four it years. Ended, of, we, I think we both ran out of steam. Yeah, creative burnout. Shortage, done enough. There was a shortage of good writers in this country, comedy-wise. Um, and we just you know, ran out of steam. Funnily enough, I did a play called Ying Tong about... Spike Milligan's nervous breakdown because he ran out of steam Mm. doing The Goon Show. He was the only writer. And that's kind of how I felt a wee bit in '88. And then Billy went on to do that um, uh, sitcom about him being a radio station. And I did one episode of that, but it it didn't really work. It didn't work. No. Yeah.
0: Um, I, was, I was going to be mean and call it a shit con because it wasn't yeah. great. No, it, was, it wasn't. But I think, yeah, he no. probably knew that first of all. <laughs> yeah. He did. yeah. Um, but he you know, he took
1: the money and so yeah, he yeah. should. And, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it was probably more relaxed hours from what he was mm-hmm. doing and, 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 and a creative unburdening, so why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah. What happened? I mean, what was your relationship like with him post show? So, you, you say it, it was fine? Yeah, it was okay. It was. Well, I think we you we work worked both, together that closely. You've got to, you know, it's yeah, got to be a bit like. I think
1: we were both disappointed that it fizzled a bit. Yeah. We should have stopped like Cleese did with uh, Faulty Tars. Yeah. We should have stopped in 87 and gone, you know. Gone out on an absolute yeah. high. Um, and it got a wee bit lame in 88. But we mm. got this new director in, and he was a tosser. He was. And he killed a lot of our stuff on the editing bench. As you know, comedy is mm, timing. Mm. And um, he, you know, I got thrown out of once again, Rowley's causing trouble because I'd stick my beak in and go, you've killed that joke because you didn't cut to da 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 da, you know, or whatever, you know what mm, I mean? Mm, mm. And so it, it, it wasn't very nice. It wasn't very nice. But Billy and I got back together again um, with a new producer, Murray Francis. Uh, and, and we were writing a new show and unfortunately he passed away
0: so you were working on that sort of in concept and nothing actually
1: eventuated from we were, write, we were yeah. writing each day mm. again for a new series
0: what did you know about his health around that time
1: he was telling everybody he was fine I remember, I remember us doing one sketch uh, with uh, Barry Crump where we, we, Billy and I were fishermen and he drives up as a a ranger and says "I see your licences and Billy takes off and down the river running and uh, Crump hops in his Toyota Land Cruiser and rushes after him Mm. and Billy stops and he's holding up his licence and Crump gets out and says what are you running for, you've got a licence and he says yeah I've got one. But my mate hasn't, and I'm a way the fuck, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with kind of, two big trucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you if you look at that sketch, you'll see he's fucked after yeah. that run, right. And then and then it started to occur. The unfortunate cardiac stuff started to occur. Mm. And uh, but but even after he'd had the heart replacement, Bob Newhart. Um, the, the heart replacement, he was telling people he was fine. But as it turns out, the, uh, uh, cardiologist was telling him that it's not, he was going to go.
0: Right. So he was, he was brave facing it. And, and he was and just
1: saying, Oh, no, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, and carrying on.
0: Hmm. And so, I mean, I, I, I sort of remember the, the news of it. I can't remember exactly how I would have heard about it. Probably just on the TV news that night. How did you hear about it? Where I was I
1: was in a hotel room in Wellington. I'd been asked to be a um, speaker, stand-up comedy, whatever you mm. like to call it, at the um, the annual uh, rugby union uh, awards dinner uh, at, at this big hotel. in or- so, in like Wellington, an after dinner speaker in Wellington, MC, yeah. MC, yeah. And I was in the hotel, and it came on. Billy T. James passed away. Well, I just blubbed and I was shocked because he'd been telling everybody mm. he was fine. Mm. And you know, and I was looking forward to getting back up to Auckland after this gig to continue writing, but no. And uh, I, I remember walking, it's, uh, fuck, pull yourself together, um, you know, a I've, I've, show must go on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm walking down the corridor towards the big doors to the conference centre, and uh, this fucking boom mic came around the corner and then a bloody cameraman and a reporter, Peter Rowley, what, do you, what, do you, what can you what say, do you say about the passing about? of Billy? You make Billy T. James. I couldn't talk, I just burst out crying again mm. and and gathered myself together and went in um, and did my act uh, and they seemed to like it. But halfway through my act I noticed somebody came in through the door and whispered to the chairman, obviously telling him that Billy had passed away. Um, and because nobody, nobody in the room knew, mm. uh, cause yeah, they, yeah, they were yeah. in the room, yeah. Um, and uh, and he, he, uh, everybody you know Very funny, picky. Um And the chairman stood up and said, "Ladies and gentlemen, I have some very bad news. And uh, it's, um, it's it's rather horrible, really. And and, and Pete's best friend and." The man we all love, Billy T. James, has passed away. Well. Wow. There were five hundred people in this mm. thing. It was huge too. We have husbands and wives mm. and, and the the oh was like a roar. It was like a roar. And then the chairman said, and by the way, um Peter knew before he came on. And I, Billy got a standing ovation. Yeah. They went mad. Yeah. And people were crying. I was. You know. It was just amazing. Wow. The the outpouring for for that guy. Now you remember that moment
0: with good reason, like that especially one of the toughest gigs of your life I imagine. Yes. yes. <laughs> um what happens immediately after that for you? Like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pry into the entire grieving oh, process, pissed. but I mean, yeah, what, what what's the next natural reaction?
1: Oh, well, I, I went out and got pissed. Yeah. I got hammered with a couple of mates. Yeah. Crying and drinking. Because mm. it's an amazing thing, you know, Malcolm and Wise, it, uh, you know, uh, you very rarely in this business hook up with somebody to that extent. Yes. You know, it's very rare because it's such an ego-filled kind of industry to be in. Mm-hmm. So everybody's fiercely protective of their own copyright. So just yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. very, you know, it's very, very. Uh, uh, well, as you use the word insular? But um, but then you meet up with somebody that you click with, and you share that whole thing. I know it was Billy T. James' show. Yeah, yeah. But you know the 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 amount of influence I had as the the white fall guy yeah. was quite extraordinary because he allowed it. Yes, he
0: wanted it. And it's very obvious for anyone if they were to watch yeah. the shows yeah. now, as I say, it's a total two-hander.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, that, that's why I was so sad because something had been severed. I had an arm dropped off.
0: I was going to say you're... I'm not trying to be callous here, but you're essentially grieving two things. You're grieving the loss of a friend. Yeah. And then you had a business interest with him that was rekindled I didn't worry
1: about
0: that. no no but at some yeah, point I didn't worry about that. of course not but at Why some I didn't point think about that? at some point that has to come into contemplation yeah. eventually that yeah. like well actually also, not only is there no more him which is incredibly sad mm. and it's sad for everyone because as you say national icon yeah but also there's no more work with him like you can go and do other things and you do go and do other things yeah. but you guys were going to do something oh, else yeah. together so it's the great unfinished
1: Lovely, Wow. And then uh, in 1989, I went to Los Angeles, California and um, tried to get work there. It's fucking it crazy. I, um, while I was there, I got a phone call from a Jewish uh, producer who'd, done, who'd made quite a lot of money out of a few seedy kind of high school, um, you know, 80s soft porn, High school films, mm. you know. Um, but anyway he rang me Ben Ephraim and uh, he's I think he originally from New York because he, you know, he talked like that. You know, Peter, it's a Ben Ephraim here. He said, Listen, you know, I'd like to uh, audition you for a new film and shoot him with Cheech from Cheech and Charm. Would you be interested? Of course. So I went up to his house in Beverly Hills. <laughs> um, and interviewed with Cheek, got on really well Cheek, very cool guy, mm. uh, and it was a, a, a not a very, a very good film, and, 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 and uh, it was called Shrimp on the Barbie, and it was going to be shot here in Australia, Yeah. and they were going to give me sweet FA money and fly me back to LA. I, in hindsight, should have done it, but instead I got a phone call the following day from one David McPhail saying, we're doing a show called Letter to Blanche, mm. would you be interested? And oh uh, how many episodes? Eleven. What are you paying? Yeah. yeah. So I flew back and mm. turned down the film with Cheech.
0: Mm.
1: I should have stayed and done that film. You yeah. thought? Oh, yes. But anyway... Right.
0: Um, Why? Just, for the, just for the experience of it? It was a huge
1: door opening. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I had a TVNZ cameraman who went over there a couple of years later to LA and he was at a big party. And some guy went up to him and said, hey, you're from New Zealand, are you not? Yes. Do you know a a guy by the name of Peter Rowley? Uh, Yeah, I do. What's wrong with that guy? What do you mean? He got a part with Cheech Mare and he turns it down and goes back to that backwater. Yeah. You know? (laughs) What's wrong with him? Um, But, uh, you know.
0: So that was door closed, you reckon?
1: Yeah. 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 But I came back and I did, you know, the Blush, which, an which project. is, uh,
0: well, and it's a beloved project. Re- well, was wasn't it? I mean, that was a well, that was. was a watched and beloved.
1: South of the Bombay Hill, <laughs> it was loved. Yeah, uh, but the light hay set in, um, Pompstonby Road. Yeah, I don't think they liked it because it wasn't very sophisticated. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was. We did over forty episodes.
0: Yeah. But what I'm saying is you didn't come back to make a turkey. Like, it's a solid piece. Again, it's a solid piece of work and the best of it can stand up today. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I
1: watched a couple of episodes
0: the other night, actually. A bit of a chuckle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, good, good, good group of people working on that and that, People you'd already worked with, of course, and so it's all about that relationship. Yeah. You guys can finish each other's sentences, I imagine. Or yeah. Co- or could then, yeah. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, it was a really cool show we work on. Yeah. and very, very New Zealand. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is great. Yeah. You know, Good. just... Because we don't... We don't have anything like that now. Mm. And, uh, and it was reality TV. when When Cops, which was the first reality TV show... Bad boys, bad boys. What are yeah, you gonna yeah, do? It? What yeah. you gonna do when they come for you? Um, that that was the f- that set a whole new genre of television. The bean counters at TVNZ looked at production costs and ratings and spend a quarter of the money on a reality TV show and get the same advertising revenue. So why wouldn't you max yeah. yeah. local production?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think the Billy T. James show when I was on it was costing around about eighty thousand dollars a week to produce.
0: Yeah. Which is a lot of money back big then. money back then. Yeah, yeah, massive, massive. And
1: then, so what happens next for you, Pete and Pio? After Blanche. Um, yeah, Pete and Pio was a, a a funny wee run. It was, you know, we had a bit of fun. I went through a marriage breakup then, and so I wasn't easy to work with. Um uh but we we had a good run on Pete and Peel. Yeah. Um poor old Peel though, uh you know, after we stopped working together, went out in his own and it just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think people just compared him to, to
0: I was gonna say he just became this in my mind he's this eternal understudy. Yeah. For Billy, yeah. also because he had the whole all round entertainer buzz going, so he never carved he out his own... The, he, no,
1: he, he wasn't very good with the accents. No, you see, when when uh, Billy was doing an Irish accent, mm. started talking like that, I'm telling you right now, Peter Rowley, um, you forgot he was a Maori. Mm. If he's doing an American accent, he, yeah, he, he was an American, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, he was so good at it, whereas poor old Pure wasn't quite as brushed, yeah, as Billy.
0: Yeah, well, you guys both had the voice stuff down pat, didn't you? you yeah, both we, did. yeah, we did. Yeah, really, yeah, as you say, you yeah, full-on voice stuff, so sound effects, yeah. accents, yeah. I
1: remember that sketch we did, we did Billy buying a house, we'd be yeah. outside doing yeah. sound effects. Yeah, yeah, well, I was actually doing those
0: sound effects. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <All that.
1: laughs> you know, did everything. Um, it, it, was, oh, it was, such a nice time.
0: Mm. so then so then what then you and is this when you start to sort of go well i need to pursue other acting not just comedy stuff i need to or or you tried to
1: tried to yeah um but yeah so the 90s were all um mainly letter to blanche and a few little bits and bobs um and then uh, it just started to dry up, mind you, because of all those things I mentioned before mm-hmm. about, uh, um, uh, you know, insisting on certain things with TV and Z and everything and all, oh, he's a troublemaker and it, I got a bit of a reputation for it, you know, I, I never, you know, my sand shoes never hang out in anybody's arse, mm-hmm. you know, and I know a lot of people now, you can see it. You know, they do all the right things mm. and they get work. Yeah. Because they're manageable. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, especially in the comedy arena. I won't mention any names. Um, but yeah, I became, you know, difficult in the eyes of some to work with. So it dried up a bit. Um, and, you know, I buggered off to Australia. Uh, I did, uh, I got quite a lot of work there. Uh, I was getting around about five or six auditions a week. It was full on. Mm. I was in Dr. Black Mysteries, and um, did some Neighbours, yep. and um, oh, a few other shows, Utopia, um, you know, uh, a, a couple of short films, um, a big Renai Ad fucking campaign, and uh, you know, did quite well. And then, and then Abbott, introduced a, a budget that took 350 million dollars away from the arts, you know, mm. and the ABC network was cut like you would not believe, and it still hasn't come right. Mm. Um, and, and so I went to Otago and did radio. While I was there I auditioned for a movie called Mortal Engines yep. and uh, I got the part uh, and that was a wonderful experience, unbelievable you know, they kept flying me backwards and forwards from Queenstown up to Wellington to do wardrobe and makeup, and I had, you know, my head shaven and a wig made in London for £4,000, <laughs> um, and, you know, beautiful hotel they put me up in, fantastic uh, atmosphere on set, just brilliant. The only problem was, as one of the reviewers said, the script, had the depth of a puddle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, as you know, the box office uh, did not happen. Yeah. And Universal lost a hundred million, but Peter Rowley had a fantastic
0: Yeah, run. yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> well, at least you got the experience that, oh, that you got out of
1: it, which is if pretty... If that's the last acting job I ever did... That's a cool thing I've, to... I've Wow. Mm. It was really... And I, had, I was talking to some people last night, um, they, they said they saw it and they said, you're one of the best things in the picture. Well, I don't know about that, but it's very kind of you. Um, but at least it was noted. No yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And as I said- You
0: turned up and did your work.
1: I did. Yeah. And I did a professional job and met some fantastic people. Um, Stephen Lang, you know, do you yeah. know who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, um, For For your listeners, he's the, the real bad guy in the first Avatar. Yeah. Um, he was in Mortal Engines and what a nice guy. Mm. I'm sitting outside, after a, a, outside a big sound stage there at Stone Street Studios and um, i would just done a scene and, and I've got this big sort of suit thing on so it's hot as hell so I went outside, uh, had a fag and a glass of water and that and I was sitting in the sun <coughs> and um, this shadow came over me. I looked up and it was Stephen Lamb or slang as he likes to be yeah. called. He said, uh, you Peter? I said, yeah. And I went, oh. Huh. And he said, I-, I was watching on the monitor in there and he said, uh, you-, you-, you did a great job, that was really good. I said, yeah. <coughs> so did you, and, and he said, stop. He <laughs> said, what? Well, he said, I'm talking about you, not about me. <laughs> It was good work, pal. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah. And he took his time out to. That's pretty classy, isn't it? Yeah. You know? That's uh, how pretty cool. cool. Was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. those those guys on those sorts of jobs don't need to do that. That, no. that means they want to. And that's, that really speaks volumes, doesn't it? I was it's, flabbergasted. Yeah.
1: Um, that was great. And uh, I got on very well with uh, the lead actor, uh, Robert Sheen, um, young Irish actor. Mm. And I feel sorry for him because he was. Uh, convinced that this was going to be the big opening. The big for ticket, her. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, even Jackson said to him, I, I, I'd be buying a house here because when we've finished the picture, we're going to start the, the television series. Mm. No. <laughs> Not to be. And and poor old Robert, you know, oh, we used to go out in the town and have fantastic time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I hope he's alright. I suspect he's back in England now. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you've, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of acting when you line that all up, when you go back to, well, essentially the late seventies, but certainly the, the early eighties in terms yeah. of movie acting yeah. and, and, you know, like, and you can look you up on IMDb and there's a lot of, there's a lot of credits. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And then a lot of TV work.
1: Yeah, well, it was, I was very, and, and I was very privileged yeah. to work with the best Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck. You know, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, to work with Macfarlane Gatsby, Billy G. James, some of the people in those movies. um, You know, it's just incredible. Incredible.
0: Have you, um, I mean, we've talked a tiny bit about this, but have you had difficulty with the idea of feeling... Reduced down to being like a support player, like you know, you know the deal that you and Billy were essentially a creative duo, yes. but it was the Billy T. James show, Absolutely. and then his passing puts him on a level of being a memorialised yeah. Kiwi, and you become the somewhat forgotten figure in that story a little, a little. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, that's natural. That's yeah. normal, especially in this country. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean. If I'd got got to the success that I I I got here and worked with the people and you know amazing shows, if I'd been in, even in Australia, but United States or England, I'd still be in work because mm. you you just carry on. Mm. Whereas here you don't. Mm. And also here it's such a small industry, and, and also as I said before, you know because of uh, the the nature of the change of television with yeah. reality TV, yeah, yeah. and all that sort of thing. It's yeah, it, it, it's. You know, I've got to get off this horse and and go and do something else. That mm. horse has now being put out to pasture. Um, but I don't mind, and I never minded being a support role. I always, could, uh, I loved um, oh, um, Denim Elliott.
0: Oh yeah, and, yeah. I yeah.
1: mean. Uh, he was never the star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on a lot of occasions, stole the show. Yes, that's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he was always in work.
0: Well, I was thinking, when I was when I was trying to work out how to phrase that, I was thinking, like, there's such... And I mean this sincerely, there's such honour in being a really great either support player or part of an ensemble, or, you know, like, yeah. there's, there is such... It's so important, and I think, like, the, the best of your work... Or you know, I think about Mac Macphail Gatsby skits and stuff. You know, the best of your work. That's exactly what I always think of and see. is here's someone who it was really good at what he did, and it works because of maybe every person on on there. But you can you can sort of not see you working, but you can feel that you're doing the work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It comes across.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know what you were doing. And the
1: thing was that you you you, you did it. So consistently, yeah, yeah, you, you got good at it, you know. Yeah. Like, um, I was always asked to play, uh, especially in uh, Macfarlane Gatsby, um, American newsreader, yeah, yeah. You know, good evening, this is Tad Cole for NBC tonight, <laughs> and you know, I used to do, yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the, I mean, John Gatsby used to get vehemently jealous because yeah. he couldn't do an accent, yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, and people would come up to me and. You know, and and say, oh, that was really great. Now, to call him, oh, I could see John, Fizzing. He, he hated it. Very talented man, but just could not do yeah. an accent. Yeah. You know, a bit like Jimmy Morrison. Very yeah. talented man, but can't do the accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Cliff Curtis can.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a few from that era that are no longer with us, and a few that are... Um, drifting away and stuff. Are you in in touch with with many of those guys? Not
1: really. Um, uh, I I heard recently that quite a few actors now are doing real estate. Um, uh, No, not really. I've never really hung out with actors. I'd far rather hang out with pilots or, Mm, mm. you know, um, because as you may or may not know, I've got my pilot slice. Yes,
0: I was going to say, I wanted to move to that. I was going to say your you know, you, you, you didn't want to go into the family business, no. but you did fall in love with one aspect of it. Yes, I did. And, and that's been, I guess, one of the massive um, constants in your life.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's a passion. Yeah. Um, it, there's something bizarre about being mortal and getting <laughs> into the aeroplane and feeling immortal. Yeah. And you know, it was funny, the other day I took a dear old friend of mine for a flight and we landed and I shut the aeroplane down and, and we just sort of sat there for a few seconds listening to the, the ticking sounds of the structure settling yeah. down. And yeah. that sort of thing. And I said, isn't it amazing to think, as a species, that we're sitting inside this machine and everything, everything that this machine is made from, is from out of the ground. Yeah, Everything. Mm. And we've reconfigured the substances that we get out of the ground into a usable Format, shape it all, stick it all together. We climb inside it and go up in the sky. That's fucking amazing, mm. isn't it? Mm. We're not supposed to fly. I mean,
0: no, it's a total magic trick to me. It's, it, 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 it's it is
1: just extraordinary, and and, it, and you know, I've I've got about six hundred hours up now, but it, which is not a lot compared to some of my mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but, but you know how to do it, and you love yeah, it, and you've yeah. and you've. Um,
1: and I'm current. I'm
0: still yeah, doing it. you're still doing it. Um, Billy T got into it a little bit. Was that through cut, a tiny bit? Helicopter. Was that through you, or uh, was that just a, a thing? I he, think was he always into? had
1: a fascination with helicopters, right? Yeah, but Billy T was a Yankee file. Yes, and he yes, loved. Yes, anything American. Yeah, and helicopters was part of that. Menu. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it gave you guys another connection, I guess. Yes. Like yeah, there's sort of a shared yes. love that that aspect.
1: And uh, you flying. Flying to me is, uh, in fact, I I I often think I, I got into the booze business a while ago in 2005 and got ripped off by uh, Lion Nathan. Mm. Um, and I always thought, why am I doing it? It's because I want uh, I want an aeroplane. I want to fly. Yeah. I don't care about houses and. Cars and mm, mm. stuff like that. Flying, yes. Mm. And that's the one it's a German. Oh yeah, yeah. A German airplane called a Breezer. Yeah. Retractable undercarriage. Yeah. And fast as fuck.
0: Yeah. And your relationship with your dad? How did that change after you you, you miss it? You mentioned you you appeared on his TV one day and hadn't told him, and then that, that was you were uh, you were back in the club.
1: Yeah, what
0: happened? What happened after that?
1: Well, I think I think what happened was, um, you know, clients and friends would go, "Oh, I saw your son on TV last night, uh, Peter." His, my father's name was Peter too. Mm. Uh, Peter, um, uh, very funny. Oh, was it? <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, I think he he, but he was one of those from that generation where. You know, they don't yeah. show too much
0: emotion. No, I was going to say, could he be funny at all? Did you ever see yes. him be funny?
1: Yeah, he, he could. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, but I think it was my mother who was the funniest. Right. Yeah, she was she was hilarious.
0: What did she go on to do in, in, your, in, in your life when you knew her?
1: Unfortunately, my mother was an alcoholic. Um, and I think that she, she died, basically, of Alzheimer's or a broken heart. Never mm. got over my father's... Right, my, my so father,
0: he moved on and she yeah,
1: didn't... My father ran off with a, yeah. with a red-haired um, beauty by the name of Wana Rose, and she was a skiing instructress down at Mount Cook, and, and he ran off with her, and it was, you know, a, ver- a very um, right. bad time for her. Yeah. And she never got over it. Yeah. And, you know, being an alcoholic as well, I, I, I just wish I could talk to her now. Um because i couldn't then because she was she was either incoherent or uh and uh, terribly sad and uh, you know uh but a very talented woman and very funny uh when she was all right Mm. at times
0: Mm. it's interesting to me that the um forgive me if i'm projecting anything here or, or or speculating anything here but we've talked about comedy and and your trajectory through that as someone that sought it for escapism and playing the fool. And you've talked about, um, airplanes and flying. Which I think is in a similar way. It's maybe you're interested in it as a type of escapism. Yeah. But yep, also, and yep. and then and then you mention alcohol, and obviously that's in the in, in the family in a bad way. And then yes. you move into the alcohol industry. No. These producing. and now you're producing a. Gen, these are three comedy drugs <laughs> you can drink. Well, these are three different forms of escapism, but yeah. they're also all about control, aren't they? They're all yeah. about different versions of control of yeah. of trying to of falling in and out of control. Actually.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Have you, have you I thought think about misery, that? I think, I think um, uh, you know, it's, it, it's the way I, you know, what's that word, uh, expression? It's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, it's just like being in a snowball and you think, I don't want to go down that real steep slope, I just want to go that that, that that slight gradient there, that, that'll be fine. And But sometimes it slips and you go, oh, uh, I'll be funny, you know. Mm. Um, that, 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 It'll, it'll, you know, I'll survive if I'm um, funny. I'll survive if... It's like the, the gin thing. Nobody wanted to give me any, any work. So I thought, well, you've got to create something, create your own work, which is what I've done. Mm. You know, I had to, my brain, I had a dream about Raffles Hotel 1928. Mm. And I went, laughing club gin, or well, laughing club, part of my, yeah. you know, makeup up yeah. is what I've been involved in. Yeah, you know, so, you've,
0: cre- you've been in and created yeah. several. Yeah.
1: So now this is Laughing Club Gin, and, and the legendary raconteur, Lord Geoffrey Red, went to a Raffles Hotel in 1928 and was so enamoured by the luminaries present from Hollywood and the literary greats from England, like Somerset Maugham and, and Ernest Hemingway and, and, and Ava Gardner, Gene Harlow, uh, uh, Noel Coward was there. He started the Laughing Club. And uh, because he was having so much fun <laughs> and then he went to a local distiller and said I want you to produce a, 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 a robust gin can measure it with the members of the life and club called life and club gin and they did and everybody loved it mm. I'm not going to tell you anything
0: else <laughs> well, well I was going to say have you thought about doing a you know you talk about not finding acting work have you, have you thought about structuring a A monologue show around all of this. Like a one-man show. Well,
1: I'm going to be doing that to promote the
0: gym The gin. I I can see it all happening. That's right, a character.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the the legendary raconteur, Lord Geoffrey Redden, is the character.
0: Yes, I can see this all unfolding.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to... I'm not really interested in doing any more entertainment. I've I've turned down a few auditions, actually, Mm. in the last Mm. two weeks. Mm. Um, I'm still with Auckland actors. um, And, you know, if it doesn't really ring my bells i i don't really i'm not really interested i want to concentrate on this and i want to use all the skills that i've garnered from the entertainment industry over the years to promote this mm. that's what i want to do now that's the acting i want to do
0: mm. Mm.
1: and i'm going to do a tour from north cape to bluff uh and wowing all the distributors and bars and just wowing people going to you know the the, the art deco uh, festivities and Napier oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, all that sort of thing. I'm doing yeah. all those
0: yeah. and, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about writing your story down? Your actual story? Peter Rowling's Yeah, story. yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: I thought about it. I came up with a title. Yeah. Stop showing off! <laughs> <laughs> That's all know, I got as
0: a kid. It's one, thing, it's one thing to do the character work, but you know the only reason you know, and you've done so many <clears throat> characters, mm. but the only reason these characters I think fly on any any level, pardon the pun, is um, is because you're so in, you have been so invested in them. Yeah. You know whether through escapism or not, there's yeah. parts of you in these characters.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And there's stories. There's stories there to to put. I mean, you know, even you know, taking a meeting with Cheech you know yeah. how many people get to do that you know like yeah. that's a story that's a hell of a story and you must have a few more I mean you've talked about a couple of other you know producers and directors and actors in the, com- in the just in the context of this conversation yeah but there must be several more anecdotes oh there's, there's,
1: yeah, there's,
0: there's
1: lots of bits and bobs and
0: um, That's what I, I could see. That as a, I could actually see that as a one-person show. You know, I could see if you're not right, if you weren't committing that down into a book, that maybe with the way you've written through your life
1: as it. Or actually doing a, a just a, a monologue. A monologue the around
0: thing? the whole thing, like an yeah. actual. Here's my autobiography, but it's a ninety-minute yeah. show or yeah. a sixty-minute show. It's not a
1: three hundred-page book. I don't know if anybody'd go to it though. But thanks for your. Uh, Thanks for your support. You can
0: listen to this back and you'll go, you're going to listen to this back and go, hmm, he's got an idea there. Maybe I yeah. will. Th- will you listen to this back? Or are you not? Does it, does it go on, on Facebook? Or- it will do. Yeah, yeah. it'll go. Yeah, in right. Will it. you listen to it?
1: You'll
0: yeah. have it a bit, won't you? Uh,
1: I don't know. No? No. How long is
0: this? What, two, three hours? Nah. Our, our, we're, we've are we only gone an hour and 12 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any, uh, uh, should we wrap it up, do you think? Is, oh, there, any,
1: yeah, is there anything else
0: you want to put across? Um, You've given the gin a bit of a plug. You're welcome to do a bit more on that if you want to. But is there anything else you want to you know, is there anything you wish that I'd asked you that I haven't? I feel like we've had a pretty good chat. I mean I'm, you know, I really I've never cool. met you before, we, no. and we haven't talked that much online.
1: No.
0: Uh, just a, a, and, and we've interacted a tiny bit. I see your posts, you see some of mine.
1: I've quietened down quite a bit on Facebook.
0: Yeah. Did you get told off? No. No. You're just you no, just giving
1: it a break. I got sick of people sort of, you know, uh, being in, incredibly judgmental and and being a bit nasty and right. It's, towards you directly or yeah, just in general. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If, if I made a statement, you know, a while back about Muslims or something. Okay. You know, um, uh, I, I'm am I'm an atheist, so whether it be Christianity or Islam, whatever, mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm just totally against religion. Right, it's yeah, It's yeah. been a destruction of of our people for too long, and it's still going on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, moving right along.
0: Well, I was going to say we won't dwell on it, but you can say that in a conversation like this. Yeah. But if you put that in a post on Facebook, you, yeah. you kind of learn eventually that you are yeah. sort of asking for it in yeah. a way. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I know.
1: can't be bothered.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's engaged. your whole day gone, right? Yeah. There's your whole day gone. Yeah, it can't be you gone. get get behind in your in your so in your agenda still.
1: Most of my stuff now is is aircraft. Yeah. The odd. Um, photograph I've taken or whatever yeah yeah um, but you know I just I, I just wish the best for anybody who wants to embark on the entertainment industry because it's a bloody tough one in this country and Yeah. I say to people look if you really want to get into it do some groundwork here but go to Australia you know it's a bigger go to restaurant.
0: a bigger pole yeah it's,
1: absolutely you know as I said, I know. but there is
0: a more. I mean, you, you know, you hinted it at, at it before, and, and and sounded like you weren't t- too enamored of it. But there is a a pretty. Um, Sustainable comedy industry happening in Auckland now. There's a lot of stand-up... I mean, I'm not sure that I like oh, it. Is, yeah. I'm not sure I like a lot of it, but yeah. there's there's TV shows happening and there's a, yeah. a major amount of stand-up work and obviously no, it's TV, a younger person's game TV and all of that. TV3 went for it, didn't they? They,
1: they yeah. are more inclined to yeah.
0: do it than TVN. Yeah, yeah. TV3 went for it and yeah. and, and um, embraced the possibility that it might fail so for they, a little while. Yeah, I
1: mean, a lot of it's on demand as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, not mainstream.
0: No, but um, you, you look at things like um, um, Ursula and Rose Madafeo having like actual Netflix-level comedy yeah, specials yeah, now, That yeah. that's pretty extraordinary, and yeah. obviously they're both internationally travelled comedians, yeah. but that's pretty extraordinary, and uh, Rhys Darby, I guess, yeah. has got some too. Um, that That's pretty amazing yeah. that it's got to that level, but yeah. that doesn't make it easy, that's right for anyone. And
1: the other thing too is it's a different style of comedy now, it's observational mm. comedy, Mm. Um, I mean, back in the day, mine being in a sketch show environment, right from fucking late seventies. Yeah, yeah. It's you know beginning, and middle, and an end. It's a it's a gag, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's got a punchline. line you
0: know yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. Whereas
1: yeah. observational comedy like you know Billy Connolly. Yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Shaggy Dog stories yes, and, yeah. and
0: and and reflections. But you you know you and you're not only done sketch comedy. It's it's been very pointedly satirical sketch comedy. Yeah, well,
1: it, it started out being like that yeah. and then. Um, Billy and I never did satirical stuff at all.
0: Well, I don't. I don't agree with that. I reckon you did. I, I think. I think it was very no, satirical.
1: We no, we never did satire. Satire is political. Yeah, satire. I still, satire
0: is. I still think you were doing political stuff. It might no, not no, have no. been. It might not have been the um, the reason for no, the
1: creation. It social. It was. It was more. Yeah, it was not, we never mentioned prime ministers. We never mentioned uh, politics in, at all.
0: Mm.
1: Never did. No, but it's it still was more like you know history. Yeah. Maybe politics and
0: history. But there's social satire, yeah. and there's yeah. and there's you know New, the New Zealand that you were commenting on mm. was, I guess it still is, but mm. the New Zealand that you guys were reacting to then was so fervently Labour or National only. Mm. And those were the only two options, really. The smaller parties were completely. Yeah, but we, we never talked about. No, you didn't. But yeah. by virtue of talking about New Zealand, yeah. people could put no. the value that you know they they could put. I don't the know value know if I a, agree with you. Okay. Well, you're okay. You, you know you're you know again you'll listen back to this and yeah. then you'll go oh, he was right.
1: Yeah. No, you'll you'll listen to it. And you'll go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I won't listen to it. That's why oh, it'll oh, go. Oh, that's oh, why, it'll oh, go, oh, why it'll
1: go up on Look at some <laughs> of Rowley's bloody stuff. I'm
0: Oh no, he's right. I've looked at heaps. No of it. I've looked at heaps of it, and yeah. and, and um, I won't, I won't sort of pitch an essay on it that it was satirical, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. I just think maybe you guys um, were were actually even cleverer than I'm already giving you credit for. Mm-hmm. God,
1: <laughs> heaven from <it. laughs> yeah. me. Um, no, uh, so yeah, I think possibly with comedy really.
0: Yeah. It's a pretty cool story. There's lots in it. There's lots of things that you've done. Lots of people that you've connected with and interacted with and lots of people that your work has touched.
1: I had a wonderful time on a on a movie called Tommy Knockers.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, the Stephen King one that was made here. Yeah. Yeah, what was that? About nineteen
1: ninety? Yes. Yeah. Um Poohhoy?
0: Yeah kind of a terrible film and um, I was just listening to a podcast about it like uh, a Stephen King podcast and they they get people to talk about the book and the film and I watched it and liked it and I loved it because man I was just getting into Stephen King and here was a film shot in New Zealand but yeah. as I understand it it's it's not one of the well remembered ones no. in Stephen King territory what was your experience on it?
1: I had a wonderful time Yeah, I'll never forget um, um, the, the bald-headed actor, he was in uh, Beverly Hills Cop, um, oh, Doug, no, not Doug, it with Ashton, uh, Ashton, or something like that, um, American actor, and it was really bizarre. We, we had the scene, well, I'm a patrolman in this squad car, mm. and he's also got in his squad car, and we, we're, we're f- panicking about the safety of a woman cop in a country station, and we drive down this road, and I did this big, you know, cross the bloody gravel car park, mm. the big slide, here did a big slide, and then we run into the front door uh, exterior of the police station. car mm. Two weeks later, we shoot the interior. Yeah. All right? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I'm standing there, and right, quiet on set, quiet on set, right, turn over. Frying. And just before the guy said sit on camera, that guy actually said, Peter, I went, what? He went, Psh! and slapped me across the face. He said, do it to me. Do it to me. I said, what? What? He said, do it to me. I went, Psh! action. Said, you go got look in there. You know? Yeah. And I thought, fuck. And he, he came up to me and he said, what do you think of that? <laughs> A <act> <laughs> and it actually worked yeah 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 but fucking <laughs> oh, a, a little adrenaline high yeah <laughs> and so that was one of the things I do remember and the other thing I'd like to mention was Jimmy Smiths.
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: what a nice guy right far out he went yeah. out of his way what
0: well, was he in LA Law or something yeah was oh, he he was in something? In he, I mean he was I know he was in loads of, of things he, yeah you know he was the I big draw- LA Law, yeah. but he was the big drawer in that movie yeah. right? like he was yeah. that was him at his, he's gone now I don't know yeah was. that was him at his sort of in, in in his kind of peak of fame moment, yeah. really, like he was uh, close a close to a household super, name. Super
1: nice guy. Right.
0: See, that's cool. It's another gave good...
1: you the time of day. Yeah. I mean, I I was I was on the production for a week, and then two weeks later, I come back for another week. Yeah. And I'm in the chow line. Mm. And there's a tap on my shoulder because he oh, he's quite tall. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "How you doing, Peter? You remembered
0: my dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I would." Which they don't need to do basically, so when they do, that's nice. Yeah, yeah.
1: Great great to see you back. Yeah. 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 Looking forward to working with you, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks, Jimmy. It was very cool.
0: Yeah, that's decent. Yeah. Tommy, that was was
1: good. (laughs) Oh my God. The the porn actress was
0: in it. That's right. um, Um, What was her name? God, Um, I've had a mind blank, but I know exactly who you mean. Because she was.
1: The gaffer had a bloody VHS TV in the back of his truck and he was playing her movie. Mm.
0: (laughs) Because she was famous for. infamous for actually being underage when she was in some of the porn films. That's right. And this was back when porn was really a dirty word. It wasn't accessed on everyone's computer. These you people went to porn theatres or and video stores was, only. She was trying yeah. to Yeah.
1: Get away from porn. That's
0: right. She was in a couple of John Waters films and a few she went mainstream, m- yeah. movie wise. Yeah.
1: And uh, she in fact she zapped me with her lipstick. <laughs> and I went <laughs> <laughs> I <was gone. laughs> That's funny. Um Yeah, that was a good, that was a a good little film to work on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of
0: film, a lot of, a lot of, um, a a lot of film credits, quite a big range of stuff Mm. in your, in your CV, really.
1: Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, you know, varied and, um, I had a good run. I had a really good run in this country.
0: Mm. You know, um, I was going to say no regrets, but you regret not doing the Cheech film.
1: I Any, do regret anything, that a, Yeah, I, I think a door could have opened yeah. there for me to get more. And work.
0: instead, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. didn't. Yeah.
1: But in saying that, and as you sort of alluded to before, you know. It, letter to blanching yeah you the, came
0: home and you did something that, that was worthwhile yeah, and lasting yeah. like you didn't just come home to film no. a 30 second TV spot no. and, um that's forgotten or, or ridiculed yeah you know like it's and I was, I was thinking like you know one of the uh, whether you, you you must know this but some of those Billy T. James um, sketches have a big time other life now and one of them is the marijuana one the children's presenters yeah
1: that was quite extraordinary
0: that's, that seems to do the rounds all the time now, like yeah. passed around. And,
1: yeah. It's funny because uh, Billy and I thought about that whilst we were uh, having lunch on set one day. And um, we had this conversation about um, Saturday morning. The parents have had a party on the Friday night. They're still in bed, fuck. And the flotsam and jetsam of the party is still... Present yes. in the living room where yeah, the kids yeah. are watching morning TV. Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Well, what, what about teaching the kids how to roll a joint that's probably still sitting here?" <laughs> you know, and and uh, he said, "Yeah, yeah." And 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 have a competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we asked the uh, the wardrobe to get us a, some some sort of you know. Uh, what do you call jerseys that had cars
0: and
1: some soft toys, throw it around, and we'll do it. And the director said, well, well there's no script and I need to shot list the cameras. You know, it's three yeah. cameras. Yeah. And I said, well, Billy and I know the beginning, the middle and in the end. All right. We know, we know. Okay. What I suggest is you um, the, lock us off on a two shot Okay, uh, an MCU two shot uh, and tell the other two cameras to be on their toes for close-ups of what we're doing. Oh, okay, so we did it. One take, one take, mm. and um, oh, they didn't want to put it to air. I was no. gonna say,
0: what, what oh, um, trouble did you get? We, Billy and I- uh, Well, what did... hoops did you have to jump through oh, to get that one? Oh, meeting after
1: and um, they finally said yes.
0: Because I've seen some YouTube comments of the clip where people from overseas are like, this is fucking incredible. And people are going, you know, this actually aired back yeah. in 1986 yeah. you know, or whatever. And uh, people are like, how the fuck did that go over the line sort of thing? You know, yeah. like it's... And we, yeah. s- we,
1: s- we stole not, not the nine o'clock news, we still, for, for the end, but we, I mean, what do you do with it now?
0: Yes, yes. You just yes. hacked. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it was something that 9, 9 o'clock news did with, um, but it wasn't, you know, marijuana wasn't it? It was mm. just, a, it, but it was a good a good finishing line and there's a prize for the biggest hat. You know? <laughs>
0: good gag. <laughs> yeah. A really good gag.
1: But um, yeah, we, we, we did break a bit of ground, you know. Yeah. You know, even something like, we did I get my bag? Well, we oh, say yeah, it's I was going to say,
0: go, we used to go to school and say that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, what
1: are you say about Maoris? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what you're saying?
0: You know? Well, no. Well, it's like the Porsche porch one. It's. Mm. it's it, it was, it, well, it was directly um, taking the piss out of a famous TV ad at the time. Yeah. Lands for Bags wasn't it? That was yes. Lance for Bags. We I mean, had a bag, we, bag, of course.
1: But we, it's, we, it's, did a couple. Yeah. we had a couple. We had old um, Bruce Allpress, who should be mentioned here, who's yeah. passed away. Um, lovely man. Um, he comes out of the uh, shop with Annie Whittle as his partner and says, where did I get my bag? Uh, I met you in a pub, did <laughs> 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 um, That was And, and Billy, Billy came up with that yeah his one
0: yeah
1: on the street yeah yeah shooting yeah he said grab that wig man and uh, I went to the director and said Billy's gonna walk towards the camera along the street he's got one is it oh is he marked up yeah Yep. right action and just yeah
0: fantastic I mean we used to say that at school we used to act it out you know walk down the corridor with the bag and try and do the do the voice and the accent. Yeah. Nothing, um, nothing racist in our intention. Just copying something we yeah, thought was funny. funny. We just thought it was funny.
1: funny. Forget. It's like uh, I love the whole um, Morgan Freeman being interviewed uh, about Black Lives Matter, and he said, um, uh, the interviewer said, "So you so you don't care?" And he said, "No, no, I he said, no, I don't." And and would you stop calling me a black man? and I'll stop calling you a white man, do you know what we are? Two humans. We both think very mm. similar things. Mm. So if people would stop using that terminology, black man, white man, no, stop. Humans, forget the fuck, it's all skin deep. Mm. Mm. You know yeah, it's I mean? and I agree with it. I do, I do
0: too, but it's the, a- a bit easier for, a, a, you know, I'm not saying he never had hardship in his life at all or, or didn't experience racism, but he, he comes from a position of power and privilege now where it's a little bit easier in his life get for him to comment on that. Get over the
1: racism card. Get over it. Don't place importance on it. If you don't place importance on it, it becomes insignificant, which is what it, it is, really. Yes, past prejudices, disgusting, but get over it now. It's like the, like the gay thing, you know. Um, we're going to a gay parade. Why? 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 You, know, you don't need. I accept gay people have all my life. I've been in the industry where they're more prolific than just about anywhere else. And, and I just think look, get over yourself, get on with your life. You don't have to prove anything to me, and I don't have to prove anything to you. You know, mm. just just enjoy life. I I, I am not racial in any... I found out my father was anti-Semitic just before he died. I was shocked Mm. in my own family. I couldn't believe it. And I don't care. I've got Jewish friends, I've got black friends, I've got green friends, I've got, you know, Mm. all sorts of friends. It it doesn't matter to me. And I, I especially like a particular race of people if their food's cool. You know, Asian, I love Asian food. I love my next door neighbors are Chinese. Fantastic people, fantastic people. And, you know, uh, it's just, it, people are so offended by everything. It makes me want to puke. Mm. Get over yourselves, sort your own life out and stop worrying about anybody else's. You know, don't give importance to the negative. That's my thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Don't give importance to the negative. I I end it there. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to finish off. Um, I like Billy Connolly, and uh, he uh, uh, he was in Dunedin A few well ago, and uh, uh, he said, "Christ, it's cold here." I can't believe it. No, seriously, it's. It's, it's colder than in Glasgow, and uh, uh, they put me in a wee boutique hotel. It's great, great, beautiful place there. And uh, I'm in my bedroom, and I got a fire. Ah, but Christ, I woke up in the middle of the night, and oh Jesus Christ, there were embers still in the fire, but they just weren't cutting the mast up. And uh, I fucking rolled over in my bed. And, I thought it was a wee lump of my bum and I grabbed it. It was a cube of ice. So I threw it in the embers and it went.